This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, believe it or not, is, in my opinion, those traitors in the Senate passed the USMCA without any news coverage whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> but what about I, impeachment? I know. No, the USMCA thing, though, it's, it, it is – people were worried about the TPP, and as I've covered a couple of times, I'm not going to go over it again, but – there, uh, you can start with, if you're interested in it, this Ottawa law professor and his assistant or student wrote a comparison of the TPP and the USMCA. And it's not only is it 57% of the actual text is lifted word for word from the TPP. 95% of the chapters are from the TPP, and 72% of the material in those chapters are the same articles as in the TPP. Yet, Trump was elected on the promise of negating the TPP, which he did, and the narrative is that this is a break in our historical trade approach, and it absolutely is not. It's a continuation, and it's a living document with various provisions that, like a, a trade commission, stuff that really, in my mind, is uh, a violation of our Constitution because it's a viol violation of our sovereignty and our laws on how we, our constitutional framework for how we legislate. And our GOP is not defending the Constitution, they're acting like this is a change in direction, but it absolutely is not. It's a continuation. And then it's no coincidence that today or yesterday the China trade deal, phase one, was signed because that will be subject to USMCA rules on unilateral agreements with other people, and likely it will be plugged into the USMCA and apply to Canada or Mexico or actually be changed, morphed after that. I expect the same thing from the UK. And then what do you have? Then you have a global trade agreement, which will be the, the core of what may be a, a new kind of world trade organization. Well, it has a different name. <laughs> and that I know that's not top news, but it should at least get an honorable mention here or there. Well, let me ask you this: Do you know what the what are the differences? Are there any significant differences in this one? The the there were points of origin differences, like uh, some. I think I mean I don't have my notes in front of me, but I think it had to do with like we need to make sure that like the parts and cars are made here, stuff like that. Right. But the really hard won stuff that Trump touted can, is totally mutable. Like they can go in and change it once it's passed. That specific stuff was highlighted as stuff that could easily be changed the way this document lives and breathes. Yeah, that's what blows my mind that you can write in a phrase that enables you to just change the entire thing. The entire thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the entire thing. I, di I, couldn't, I didn't find any exceptions. I think if I recall correctly, if you really wanted to look at it, I think it's chapter 30 and 32 
and 19 and maybe 27, they're short chapters like anyone right now. If you can, you know, could just click through whatever, if you can find it, although it takes forever to find original documents these days. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, I don't really have time to read that. I have to watch impeachment. <laughs> well, that was the thing. So, so the impeachment, it's not even the impeachment trial beginning. It was Adam Schiff, who is an excellent reader, by the way, much better than Chuck Schumer. So I was listening to he's the impeachment. He's an aspiring scriptwriter. So. Oh, my gosh, right, because he's probably, yeah, he's a more polished actor. So I was listening to the launch of the impeachment uh spinoff in the Senate. And that's what it was. Yeah. It was like a new pilot, the new show, and there was a yes. launch. Yes, the Senate, you know, like the Ed, uh, yeah. the, what what was it, the, um, after Mary Tyler Moore, the Ed, or, uh, Ed Arner, what was his name again? Anyway, you can't remember that? Oh my gosh, you're younger than I am. Um, Asner, Ed Asner show. So, it's like the more serious yeah. So Mary Tyler Moore was like a, a, a news show, but it was comical. Right. But the Ed Asner show, he was the boss of a newsroom, but it was serious. Yeah. So like this is like the Ed Asner show. And Schiff, I think he editorialized in reading the articles of impeachment. I was listening to it in the car because sure I had a long did. drive. So, but he did a good, I thought it was like a, so I didn't know who it was who I was listening to. So I wasn't prejudice i don't know if it was republican or democrat and then i start hearing this stuff and i'm like are we is this it's like when i accidentally bought a cd that i meant to get led zeppelin and it was like zed leplin <laughs> <laughs> it was like cover a cover band yeah. and i'm listening i'm like is that a republican or you know is that in the articles of impeachment so they did that all the histrionics and i just want to go on the record for saying that the Senate, I believe, this there's all this, like, should we do witnesses? With the Clinton trial, you did not have that. You had, like, some recorded depositions and all that. The GOP, which has absolutely no reason to capitulate in any way, is going to somehow, they've got defectors, this will get crazy and stupid, and they'll allow the witnesses. And just as a touchstone in your mind of between the USMCA and the impeachment and how it's all going to come out, GOP, I'm convinced more than ever, if it's not just self-evident, it, it isn't just a two-party psyop. The GOP is the controlled opposition. We have European-style social democracy. We have what the Democrats say that they want. They already have it. The only difference is that in Europe, where it's above board and out in the open, people get to ask for a little something for the effort. Here, they take 40% of the productivity of the country, and they say, we're not— uh, we don't have the, the, you know, we're not a socialist country, so we don't give out these social services. I want none of it, absolutely none of it. But that's what the GOP is there for, to act like we don't have that system. And it, I don't know if it, it funnels a lot of that tax money to kind of corporate welfare or what the underlying thing is, but I do not expect the GOP to proceed in this impeachment with any kind of logic, integrity, or, or, like actually going to the rules, like when Ted Cruz could have over could have stopped Obamacare in, in its tracks just because of the process, which was all about Obamacare. There were processes that they violated. GOP didn't stand behind him. They don't they won't bring out those technicalities that are just like case closed. And that's how I see it. So that's why I think it's going to be, uh, you know, drama. So you don't think it's going to be quick, quiet and just moved out of the way? I, I actually wonder if Mitch McConnell on Tuesday could open the proceedings with a vote. 
guess we'll just see. say let's just vote let's see if we have 66 votes like i i had i didn't have time and i mean there are other things on the agenda right now but i i will hopefully have the time over the before it starts on tuesday to look at what the rules are like if he could even do that if like the crimes that trump is accused of the subpoena stuff if that's if that really is a crime, can you dis- if someone showed up and then got fired, I could see that being a crime. But his supposed pressure to get people not to testify, I mean, are they legally obliged to testify? If you can't coerce the testimony, if you can't enforce the testimony, if it's not contempt not to show up, how it, it, you know, does it rise to the level of a crime or is it just icky? Yeah, I think that there's a possibility that it could get disposed of quickly with an early vote. I don't know that it will, but I know it's a possibility because all of my indivisible resistance emails I'm getting (laughs) are telling me to call and pressure the Republican senators and tell them that any hearing without testimony is just a hoax and it's fake and they're worried that it's going to be over with quickly. And that brings me to the story that's been on the news today about how there's new evidence against Trump is likely to emerge during the Senate impeachment hearing, according to Schiff. And this goes back to what we've talked about uh, about a month ago and a little bit after that, is that, first of all, if there's any evidence that was worth anything, it would have come out already. And it wouldn't just be coming out right now, like this guy who's been talking, the Parnum Lev guy. Parnas. Yeah, Lev Parnas. That would have come out earlier if it was going to have any impact, but they have to keep dripping stuff out so that they can leave the door open to do another impeachment process to keep this thing going on and on and on and on for however long they intend to keep people distracted and divided over this issue. So that's why I believe we're seeing this new evidence in this Ukrainian guy going on Rachel Maddow show last night and shift saying there's going to be new evidence coming out even though we're already in the senate trial so i guess we better go ahead and draft some more articles of impeachment that nancy pelosi can fold up and put up under her brawl so it might just be a (laughs) ongoing cycle yeah it could go either way i could see that either this one comes abruptly to an end under what appear to be fishy circumstances. Yeah, and then that's the subject of the next yeah. impeachment. And then they come out with, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. It all ties together like a, like pearls on a string. Right, yeah. But the the I, I noticed that, I, don't, I know we don't pay attention to international news as much, but I have to say I did call this. Iran wants to bring Trump up on charges in The Hague for war crime. Oh, I, wow. Tantamount to... Uh, oh, the Khashoggi thing. So, you know, the Khashoggi killing in, like, supposedly in the Saudi yeah. embassy, which seems like absolutely Strange. chopped him up into pieces yeah. in the Saudi embassy. Like, I, it, it, I can't believe that that's a story that, like, pretty much everybody accepts. Yeah. But that was, like, international crime, you know? And people talked about that, and they're kind of likening it to that. And I anticipated that this, that a Trump impeachment idea would go international. I don't know if it will or not, but certainly it got a little lip service. And the other thing that I think is, was, well, I know is in the news, may play in, and it makes me insane, and I'm sure it will bother you too. There was news that came across that Jovanovic, the ambassador, who's just a piece of crap in my opinion she is that the the ukraine i still think there are factions in ukraine that ukraine even even in kiev like obviously there's factions because the civil war but even in kiev i don't think it's like every single person in parliament or the judiciary or whatever is under our thumb or the nazis or wherever (laughs) whoever's running the show over there so 
so apparently Ukraine is looking into whether or not she was followed. Oh, she was surveilled. You mean they're doing an investigation? Yes. And, and why they would be investigating what happened to our ambassador. And what absolutely makes me crazy about the whole thing is that she, first of all, it was in the news at the time when she made her last speech, which was super freaking obnoxious and panned in Ukraine, that she just didn't care anymore because her three years were up. And yeah. I looked back at all the Ukrainian ambassadors, and, and there it is roughly three years, give or take, like every single one I could find. And everyone knew that, and that was the way it was going to go. Plus that the George Kent letter to Ukraine and stuff that she said that ties into that, that Lutsenko in that OANN interview brought up, she was pressuring the government of Ukraine, or George Kent put it in writing, but she was in on it, to not investigate our puppets in there our uh, the federal government and george soros's uh anti-corruption institution there and so we she was clearly clearly trying to keep the ukrainian government from investigating a false anti-corruption operation over there that was a subversive element in their country i mean it she is bad 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 and the fact that she is being presented as the victim makes me sick yeah he she was victimized and secluded to a cush job at Georgetown University. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because she really wanted to stay in Kiev forever. Yeah. <laughs> Where she's uh, respected by all of her colleagues over there. She seems like an assassin to me. Just she's the way she bad presents, news. Presents did, you ever, did you ever hear of or see the movie Snowpiercer? No. A friend of the show recommended it to me because I'm such a fan of Matrix. It was good. It was. I highly recommend it. And uh, there's like some, some. Remember the movie Brazil? No. All right. So there's some like really gruesome British chick in this with like crooked teeth, and uh -huh. she's really like uh, a, an exaggerated version of kind of your modern communist witch, yeah, okay. bitch. You know, yeah, yeah. And she looks the the character and makeup and everything looks like you bought it. I, yeah, I, <laughs> that's what I'm watching, and I'm just I'll like, oh my gosh, out. she's gonna have like a Dalmatian stole on at the end of this movie, <laughs> and just like black fingernails and yeah. whatever. And I think she looks a little bit like the wife from Rocky Four when he fights the Russian, the super tall chick who married Sylvester Stallone. Yes, the yeah, Bridget Nielsen, an older version of her. Yeah, of it's that just character. Haircut. Well, yeah. that that chick but probably she's is also a that. hardcore. Cold Maybe it is her. Probably actually that age. Yeah. Same yeah. age. But Jovanovic isn't isn't buff enough. I think that's overselling. <laughs> but I, I that the the idea that she's the victim just really, really irks me. Yeah. Always make the bad guys the victim. That's how it's the bad the whole guys me do too it. thing. It's like the Elizabeth Warren where she is like uh there Bernie's like, I never said that and the and the chicks are just like, Obviously he said it and if he didn't say it, you know, Someone said it, like you, you said yesterday. Yeah. Did you hear the the hot mic? Well, not necessarily a hot mic. They knew the mics were on. <laughs> but no, there was a, no. I saw some headline, but I don't know the story. What's the story? Well, the story started off with an image because it was silent. You couldn't see. You could only see them meandering around and talking to each other after after the debate was not over. shaking hands. Is yes, what and I Elizabeth got Warren it. rejected rejected Bernie Sanders' <laughs> attempt to shake her hand because you know he's a sexist, horrible man. And then I was watching CNN last night, and 
Anderson Cooper says, well, it was a moment that we all could see but could not hear until now. CNN is the first to have obtained the audio from the interaction between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, which I thought was interesting because it was a CNN-produced debate. (laughs) Of course they have the audio. They're the first to have obtained it. <laughs> they were also the first to have suppressed it. And, and right. <laughs> because they asked both campaigns. CNN questioned both campaigns and they had no response. So they just went ahead and released the audio themselves <laughs> to go ahead and fuel the divide leading up to the Women's March so we can make this. Here's why a woman can be president, which was a major headline on CNN today. And all these pictures of Elizabeth Warren bashing Bernie Sanders. And here's what the audio said. She walked up to Bernie. She went a direct beeline towards him, and she said, you called me a liar on national TV. And Bernie goes, what, what? And then, and then she goes, I, th- I think you called me a liar on national TV. And he goes, what? I think you called me a liar, she repeated. I, let's not do this right now. If, if we want to have this discussion, you, you called me a liar. And then that was, that was it. That's true. That, that was it. So she did not say, you lied about me. She just said you called me a liar. Oh, wow! Nobody said you lied. <laughs> Nobody would double down on that. Well, I'll tell you that story. I saw it pop up in various forms with various headlines on every news source I looked uh-huh. at. And if I realized it was such a nothing burger, well, I mean, I figured it was staged. Completely but I staged. I think Bernie was taken off guard, but it was completely staged between her and CNN, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, some actors, I think, need to – it's a favor to them to not tell them what's coming. Right. So, like, it's easier for him to not know so he can just react naturally. That seemed to be a natural reaction. Yeah, I believe that. And I'm sure, like, I'm – you know, I doubt he's filing papers against her. You know, They're playing up this whole divide between – Sanders and Warren, who basically have the same policies and who ha- who made a, a pact over a year ago or something to agree to not attack each other. And while CNN is all on the side of Elizabeth Warren, it seems that Michael Moore is defending Bernie Sanders. Our old friend Michael Moore. I guess out. he's a pig after all. He is. He's a sexist pig. He came out and he said that he was paralyzed. He was paralyzed that her staffers would say such a thing. And any of us who know Bernie know automatically that we don't even have to hear him denying it because there's no way he'd say that. Wow. So Michael Moore is is the Al Franken. Uh, he won't go down like Franken. Though. Well, when is Franken going to rise up from the ashes? Michael Moore, probably pretty soon. But Michael Moore yeah. said that Elizabeth Warren is giving Donald Trump the presidency by doing this. By causing a divide uh, between the progressives and, and – Well, I thought Tulsi Gabbard was going to do that. But I, yeah, yeah. Everybody, you know. So also one thing that uh, they said on Fox today that I had to file away, they were like, you know, the senators, 33 of them, are have to run. 33? That's an interesting well, number. It's always 33. Yeah. I mean they didn't say 33, but every two years a third – maybe there's maybe it's 34 this year, but every – The Illuminati they, number. Every two years, well, it has to be 34 this year because Kelly Loeffler. So the Georgia senator has to run for the Isaacson's last two years. But other than that, it's always a third of the Senate is, is running every other year. Their six-year terms are staggered. So the Fox people were saying, oh, yeah, 33 is a magical number. 
the Fox people were saying that obviously it's going to cause some problems when some of these senators can't be there or they, and I think what's going to happen is that the Republicans will lose their seats. You know, maybe there'll be a, a couple of surprises in favor of the Democrats for the senators having to be there for the Republican majority for the vote or whatever. I don't know, but I feel like, I feel I always thought that Trump's second term was going to be a fully Democrat legislator, legislature, and that he would just rubber stamp everything. And then you get like the full leveling up of socialism, which you have with every single president, basically always, almost. Uh, so I just feel like that this is going to affect impeachment will directly affect the Republican majority in the Senate. I assume it will be ad- adverse to the Republican majority, but it might not be. Well, that's all I got. But a lot of political turmoil, if you ask me. <laughs> it's definitely a lot of political turmoil now. And according to a new study by a global risk firm called Ver. Verzik Risk Management, and then this company advises corporate. Oh, clients. how do you spell it? I have to v- see if they're Verisk Maplecroft. Verisk Maplecroft. V e r i s k V e Risk Maplecroft. That's correct. Okay, I just want to see how many yeah. NSA members I wanted to it takes to screw in this yeah. <laughs> company. They advise corporate clients on political risk around the world, which sounds a little bit like what uh-huh. New Knowledge slash Yonder yes. also does. Now they found in their report they said that almost forty percent of the world's countries will witness civil unrest in twenty twenty. The violent protest and political upheaval that marked 2019 and challenged governments from Hong Kong to Chile is set to stay and is now the new normal, according to their report. And one of the the head of Asia Insight at this company, she said that we all need to buckle up for 2020. The rage that caught many governments off guard last year isn't going anywhere, and we'd all better adapt. Okay. What you just said, like I have five different things that I Go just wrote down. Yeah. Like I have to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I noticed with the shift thing, it is so exactly your tripwire clip. I mean, it, that was up there with the most revealing things I've ever heard. That if you really know what you're looking at here, Schiff was emphasizing that Trump was trying to interfere with the 2020 election. I yeah. mean, Election integrity, and not like I talk about it, but that is the tripwire. That they are all roads, all vectors are converging on that, and that's where the foreign interference and the Stacey Abrams aspect of it merge into one. Because hers is about election inter. And and what does that mean to you? It just means that that's that's what it is that they've already determined the narrative. Right. And, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're saying you see these two trends, and they're actually converging. Yes. Yes. Also, that scenario, Operation Blackout, where they have people dying and they declare martial law, I see Stacey Abrams as taking a leadership role in that. I can I If can there agree are two there. leaders, mm-hmm. oppositional leaders, okay, but uh, whatever. I think she's going to be very prominent if that – not that that exact scenario will happen, but it might. Is it Eric Holder that said the you'll never let a good crisis go to waste? No, that was Rahm Emanuel. Eric Holder said brainwash the kids. 
I think it's Eric Holder. It might be Rob Emanuel. It's one of the two that Stacey Abrams is right now kind of touring with, promoting the 2020. Well, do you know what thing. the person looks like? No. Because Rob Emanuel is like a middle-aged, probably older now, Jewish guy, and Eric Holder is probably a middle-aged, aging, light-skinned black man. Yeah, I can find it. So the other two things it's Eric is... Holder. Okay. The other two things is that I think they're working hard to recreate the 60s, like around the world. Yeah, interesting. Just Yeah, and there is a cultural revolution with the tech that separates the kids from the adults. So they had to, so they have like my mom's Fox generation. Then they have us. We're woke because we saw the internet limited hangout in its full glory. And they have to okay Boomer and shut up Karen us, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I guess the boomer generation is between us and my mom. But they – so then this new generation just tells us to shut up. And somebody pointed out because I, like, I'm really obsessed now with, like, these uh, exhaust residuals in the sky uh-huh. from planes. And I was like, hey, nobody notices? How can people not notice? And someone said they're all looking at their phones. That's very true. So, so I can remember that when I was a kid – planes didn't do that but anybody who these kids care like it's not for me they know i know but they don't care they have to separate us out which is what they did in the 60s they separated with like birth control and music and drugs and everything they just made a hard break and then an assassination that traumatized numerous assassinations i mean don't forget every every part of society was affected by the assassination propaganda of the deed Yes, and and it really has a permanent schismatic effect on society. And we were the one—Ron Paul was rising. So they had—that we were actually going to rejuvenate foundational principles, and they had to put an end to that. So they, I believe, diverted that energy into Trump, who most definitely is not defending foundational principles in this country at all. And then the other thing is that the— uh, they, they're creating Nazis here. Yes. So if you look at Ukraine, if you actually read back, I, I read this two-volume book. It was quite good. A little difficult in the translation, I think, about Olaf Palm, the Swedish prime minister who was assassinated in the 80s. It's called Coup in Slow Motion, I think. And... They they talk a lot about the Nazis in Sweden, and Ukraine has Nazis, Bandera and stuff. This the Nazi thing. I think that Operation Stay Behind or Operation Gladio, a Stay Behind operation. I'm always confused when I read about that. That's where we get the strategy of tension and everything, because there are two different threads to pull on that one. One is like in Italy when they were going to go communist, the the Western powers arranged the uh, the events, false flags that killed people to discredit the communists, even though it wasn't the communists who were doing it. But when you read about Operation Gladio, it's called a stay-behind operation, and and part of it is, like, Nazis were still around. They actually, like, had pockets of Nazis still. And given the backstory where Nazis were, for some, in some theories, promoted by Western powers to undermine Germany, which was a rising threat, blah, 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 economically— I'm just saying there are Nazis over there, and there have been, and they had Nazis, and they never really went away. We did not have that ever. And so it's being created for us 
And that galls me, obviously. But I just, I think it's interesting to understand that whether it was organic to Europe or fabricated in Europe or manufactured in Europe like 80 years ago, this is like eight years ago. Yeah. And I just, I think, but now I think it's real. So I used to think it wasn't even real. Yeah. And now I think it's real. Maybe manifesting reality by their giving light to it. And what it was for in Germany, I think it's important to note, what it was for in Germany was to undermine Germany economically without upending the actual hierarchy there. So it got rid of the Kaiser, but it kept everything in place. It kept the money flowing. The money never stopped flowing. Like the banks never closed down. Yeah. So it actually is there to undermine society, to weaken the uh, the the political system but not like the banking system yeah it's it may be to move the power levers of the banking system over but i just care to alert people to trends as i see them emerging it seems but to be serving maybe a similar function over here a destabilizing me- divisive function over here as it gets more attention anyway yeah i i do feel like these protests that these it's almost like World War II meets the 60s. Yeah, this is an interesting comparison about bringing it to the 60s. It does kind of have that feel. And they were talking about, in another article I read, is talking about the same thing, about how because of the digital age and social media that we've talked about this, that these demonstrations and these protest tactics can be transported to any country in the world because they're being demonstrated to a worldwide audience on social media and on television, and then the other countries can say, hey, they're rising up. We can rise up. We can do the same thing they're doing. We can do the same thing they're doing, and then just uh, a domino effect around the world. Uh, complete with a formula, both strategy and tactics. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, that's scary. It's like a plug-in revolution. It really plug-in is. plug-in protest. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coin that. Plug-in protest. Plug-in protest. A turnkey. Yes. It's like a plug-in for, you know, your website right and so we have a protest coming up this weekend with the women's march which has seemed to fizzled out over the past couple years but we'll see if it has any major um you know any major stories coming out around it over the weekend oh don't forget to tell we should tell people about our great interview with brian tuey of the fixes in did we mention that it's up it is it is up on the com. It was. I thought it was really fun and interesting talking to him. I thought it was very interesting, especially in light of the Astros. Oh, uh, right, of course. Like out. we really we hit the ground running with the Astros story, which continues, I think, to have reverberations with other teams. I will have to say that yes, I, they fired the. I believe the Boston Red Sox manager got fired, maybe, and they're considering whether or not to keep the Mets, one of the uh, Mets yeah, managers, the, Beltron, yeah, and. I do find it interesting, though, because the Braves were penalized in 2017, and their general manager at the time was banned from baseball for life. For life. And that story didn't get near as much. It got attention, especially in Atlanta, but not as much on a national stage as this one is currently getting right now. And I think the other shoe is going to have to drop then. Yeah. We'll see what they're going to do with it. See if, uh, you know, they'll just install a mass surveillance policy. Everybody has to watch everybody all the time. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. Happy impeachment. We'll talk to you tomorrow.